0: Nothing. Guy wants to name this cock macho. (laughs) It's okay by me. I'm joined this week by the Almighty, the greatest of all time, or at least of last year. Our reigning defending co-breaking champion, Nathan Pig. Nathan, how are you, sir?
1: I'm great. You know, I'm never gonna get tired of hearing that intro. So thank you so much. Um have a little having a little trouble defending my title right now, but we're we're getting there. We're getting there. I'm good, Phoenix. How are you doing?
0: I'm beautiful, man. <laughs>
1: Awesome. awesome. Well, just the two of us today, which is okay, because we've had some great episodes, just the two of us. Yes, Um, But we are talking about Clint Eastwood's new movie, Cry Macho, on HBO Max and in theaters. This one is a little nostalgic for me. Uh, Maybe that's not the right word, because it's only been out for two days. But Clint (laughs) Eastwood is very nostalgic for me. You know, that's someone that uh, my dad and I watch a lot of his movies together. So someone that is very... Um, he's a favorite of mine. Yeah, you know, that's, uh, that's the best way I can put it. So, was excited that this was on HBO Max. Was excited that I was able to watch this with my dad, and um, can't wait to talk about
0: it. righty yeah, this was sort of a last minute uh, movie choice, but uh, can say i can that again. Squeezed it in uh, around you know one o'clock in the morning.
1: Uh, <laughs> so, so let's talk some non spoilers first. OK, first, actually, before we get into any of it, how many Clint Eastwood directed movies have you seen, Phoenix?
0: I have seen quite a few, actually. Let me uh, let me look into his repertoire here. Uh, You've seen
1: Million Dollar Baby, right?
0: Of course. Okay, and uh, Gran Torino. Right there, I've seen American Sniper, Million Dollar Baby, Gran Torino, Mystic River, Richard Jewell, The Mule, Changeling, Letters from Iwo Jima, uh, Invictus, 1517 to Paris, Jersey Boys, uh, Cry Macho, and that may be it. Yep. So, yeah, pretty healthy amount. There we go. A few good ones I missed. Oh, Unforgiven, obviously saying Unforgiven. Yeah. Okay,
1: perfect. Yeah. Well, you know, definitely an iconic director, someone who this could be his last movie. Um, and that's really scary. But let's get into it. You know, non-spoilers first. Um, you watched this pretty late at night. Hopefully you were coherent.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, what were your thoughts on, on Cry Macho non-spoiler?
0: Non-spoiler? Yeah. Um... I felt like this, if this is Clint Eastwood's last movie, uh, good job, good job. You know what I'm saying? He went out with a a, a solid showing. Um, I personally think, you know, if you were ending with a banger, ending with Richard Jewell would have been probably a better decision. But uh, otherwise, solid. I mean, beautiful cinematography. You know what I'm saying? Just just really, really nice, uh, really bright colors and all of that. It um, didn't really wow me, I guess is the word. Um, yeah. And there, I have a few more complaints. To, you want to wait about. for when we spoil? Yeah, that I would rather wait for a spoiler. But otherwise, I thought it was a solid directorial effort. Uh, and that, that's where I'll leave it. <laughs> what about you, non-spoiler?
1: It's really hard to see Clint Eastwood in front of the camera as an actor because he is just so frail and his voice is so weak now. And definitely commend the effort for wanting to still direct, produce, and star in this movie because that is no easy task. But for where he's at in this stage in life, um it definitely was noticeable in the movie in every single scene. His voice is weak. Um, and again, non spoiling, but there are some scenes where he's got to be the tough guy. And when you look like a hard wind is going to knock you over, it's hard to believe that you're the tough guy. Um, and, you know, that's what Clint Eastwood has been his whole career. He's been the tough guy, but just at 91 years old at this point in his life, it, it's this isn't the role for him anymore. It's just not, it's just not, they should have cast someone who's maybe in their fifties or sixties, who's still a vet who you can believe as someone who's been around the block a few times, but could also break you in half if he needed to. Um, Clint Eastwood was not the guy for this role. And uh, it's just, it's difficult, especially for fans of Clint Eastwood to watch this and see how frail and and docile he is. So that was tough. Um, immediately, again, non-spoilers, um, this story just did not work for me at all. It's such a simple premise, yet I could pull coals in it and make it a sponge. Um, basically, the bottom premise is a friend, a colleague of um, Clint Eastwood's character, whose character's name is Mike, comes to him and says you know my son is in Mexico City I want him back and virtually it's extraction in Mexico City without all the action that's virtually what it is so if you've seen 2020's extraction with Chris Hemsworth they're extraordinarily comparable just without all the cool action
0: that's that's even a a bit of a Lofty comparison <laughs> in in my mind. Uh, I
1: go rescue. I go to foreign country rescue kid. Bring back. Yeah, that's pretty much what it is.
0: Yeah, solid. Uh, definitely without the action. Definitely without any of the without any of the suspense or drama. Um, right. You know they they. I, I, shall shall we break the seal here so I can I can let off real quick. <laughs> yes so we're gonna go ahead like break the seal talk
1: spoilers for cry macho i know we weren't super specific on uh, as far as our non-spoiler thoughts but um phoenix and i talked about you know on these non-spoiler thoughts it's hard to watch clint eastwood act now uh, at this age and the story what, for in phoenix mind didn't blow him away but was a solid effort in my mind
0: it was Yeah, it you was poke a, a lot of holes in it. It was so. a, like I said, it was <clears throat> more solid on the direct directing side than I would say with the the script or the acting uh, or the story. Um, I think, you know, and that's and that's and I agree with you when, when you say like, you know, if if directing, acting and and producing and all of that stuff, doing all of that at once, especially at ninety one is is a lot you know what i'm saying it's a lot for for anyone to do and clint eastwood at, at 91 you know he he could have laid off at least one of those and i definitely think it was the acting um there there are a bunch of uh older guys who you know older actors whom you could have gotten to play this role and and probably would have killed it you know what i'm saying and probably would have done a little bit better with it um this one here it was Sort of like a watered down Grand Torino, in my opinion. You know, Clint Eastwood befriending a small boy from, you know, a different country or who speaks a different language. I mean, I I am, like I said, I admire the direction here because I do think it was solid. But uh, there were a lot of there were a lot of weird missteps <laughs> throughout this movie. So let's do it. Let's break the seal. Let's talk spoilers. You
1: definitely want to lead it off with something. You're chomping at the bit. I could tell. Go ahead.
0: Okay. So, uh, I just think, okay, <laughs> we, we once he's finally there in Mexico and, um, we meet Lena who is, uh, uh, what is his name? Uh, the boy, I forget. Yes. Rafa. Rafa's mother. um, You know, she's she's, I guess, built to be some sort of threat, but her threats end up being terribly weak, like like really weak. She sends one guy. (laughs) He gets beat up by a bunch of random uh, truckers, I guess, when he first tries to get him. And then when he comes back again, Again, just with one guy, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? They run him off a road, but then they immediately take his gun and it's over. It's like it was one of those things where it was like you knew that because Clint Eastwood was starring in this. They couldn't make the threats too bombastic, too, you know what I'm saying, too extreme that he wouldn't be able to survive. But because of that, they make the threat seem less than effective because it's like, you know, if you're a top, I don't know what she was, queen pin or whatever, sending one guy seems like you're not that powerful in my opinion. So it it, it just, it did, it was like, we got a weaker protagonist and therefore we need a weaker antagonist. So
1: Yeah, uh, and I agree. Like the henchmen that she sent, was nev- never felt like a viable threat. No. never did. Like, it, in a movie like this, if it was done correctly and properly, you always wanted to think, this hitman, this henchman coming after me, is someone we always got to be looking over our shoulder for. Well, half the time, they didn't even know he was coming after them. <laughs> and then once they found him, the threat was, in essence, taken care of whether it was getting beat up by the truckers or when he leaves town, he doesn't even know that he's being followed by them. So it's an iron man Two problem where you don't even know the threats out there. And the henchman poses zero threat at all. Now this might be the perfect example, but no country for old men is a perfect example of constantly looking over your shoulder. When is that person coming? This could, just decimate at the drop of a hat. Well, this guy just kind of shows up when you need him to. And and that's not, that's not right. And and I want to talk about too, how even going back, this story jumped in almost too quickly. Like we got going way too quick for my liking. Like the second scene in the movie is Howard, the uh, the boy's father saying, you got to go down to Mexico city. Uh, I want my son back. You owe me. Okay. That happened a little too quickly for me. And I get that, you know, there were some things that came back around later. Like, oh, I can't, I'm not allowed down there. Why isn't he allowed down there? That came mm-hmm. back into fruition later. Right. But it just happened too quick. It's just this conversation. Second scene of the movie. I need you to go down there. Third scene in the movie, he's down there. He's <laughs> driving across the border. Like, I, I, I probably would be dogging this movie it took 30 minutes to set that up but also just the second scene in the movie it felt like a big exposition dump and i just did not appreciate that at all my boy is being abused how do you know i just know (coughs) i'm sorry that's not good dialogue (coughs) and that's going to be reflective of what i say for this whole movie is the dialogue is extraordinarily weak um and then I just want to poke some holes into the plot. I mean, the mother, I think uh, whatever her name is. Leda. Leda. She's hitting on a 91-year-old Clint Eastwood. Yeah, I know. She's trying to seduce him and get Clint in bed with her.
0: For whatever that reason.
1: was disgusting. <laughs> like, I get it. He's a tough guy. He's a cowboy. Clint Eastwood has been this icon his whole life. Maybe it's a small nod to that, but really, that just that was disgustingly off putting. And, and I want to talk about too the ease that Mike found the boy Rafa. Right. That was extraordinarily easy. Like I'm down in Mexico City, a territory that I am personally unfamiliar with, that Mike is unfamiliar with. And when I say I, I mean Mike's character. He's down in a territory that Mike's unfamiliar with. He doesn't really know where he's going. He, it's the 80s, so there's no GPS. <laughs> he just rolls up to this house. And sure, maybe the father gave him the exact address of the house. Maybe he read a map. But right. once he gets to the house, Leda is like, I don't know where my son is. The next scene, he finds him. The yes. next scene. just the continuity and the thought process there. doesn't make sense it's not a plot hole by any means or it's not a plot coincidence by any means uh aka Five bloods but um you can't hype up i have no idea where to find my son and then the next scene you find him Mm
0: -hmm. no no yeah I, i i did think that was weird but again like i feel like this was a movie where it had an idea going in and then be, like literally simply because Clint Eastwood was playing the role, a lot of things changed just because there wasn't a lot that they could do. And I don't know when this was filmed. I think if this was filmed in, a, in the time of uh, you know pre-pandemic or during pandemic or something like that, because it feels like a lot of ideas started and then they weren't able to film. So those ideas had to come to like a crushing halt. So like like again, like that's what I think. It's either it's either Clint Eastwood being in the role or it's the pandemic, one of the two that led this movie to be sort of uh uneven. Because when she describes Rafa, I'm like, okay, yeah, like we're gonna get, you know, some sort of troubled kid or whatever. And and I guess, yeah, like I don't know if that was a misdirect. It seems like it was a misdirect because. What is what essentially we get is a kid who doesn't want to be abused anymore. You know what I'm saying? Who who's like uncomfortable with with what he sees at home and what he deals with at home. So, yeah, it was, it was like it was like I'm of the I'm of the same mindset of you, except in one thing. I actually think the beginning of the movie is really strong. I actually really liked his whole interaction with Howard. It is a little quickly. It, it does go a little quickly, but I was like, you know, if this is the the, the pace that they're setting, the tone that they're setting, I really like that. Uh, it's right when he goes and finds Rafa immediately that the story sort of loses its steam for me. Immediately. Yeah. Immediately. You can't <laughs> understate that. You can't yeah. understate that. Yeah. It's just like, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, that happened very quickly and what we were led to believe is not true and and then it, it it continues at that rapid pace you know what i'm saying like so like we we get raffle's backstory immediately you know what I'm saying we get their re- budding relationship immediately we get some of the worst dialogue <laughs> i guess like like that that is not something you can gloss Perfect. over like some of the worst dialogue like particularly from raphael's character uh where you know he just says things that are s- just weird like i i don't know if english isn't his first language you know what i'm saying i'm not particularly uh, particularly familiar with the actor but uh yeah you know it was, it, it was like he was having trouble and this con- continued throughout the movie he was having persistent trouble with uh context and uh and and getting his emotions to fit the, the, the context of what was going on in the story. So, yeah, like, this is
1: this is a great segue into to my biggest issue in the film. Yeah.
0: a great segue,
1: and I feel like you already know what I'm about to say. <laughs> we did not we did not talk about this off screen. We did not. Right. And this is the first time Phoenix is hearing me say this, but I feel like you already know what I'm going to say. Go for it. Um, Eduardo Minette plays mm-hmm. Rafa, and I do not want to be harder than I have to be here mm-hmm. because Eduardo is an actor and I'm not an actor, but we do critique films here at on film code. And I'm sorry, this is some of the worst acting I've ever seen. It, <laughs> it, it is like, and I, I don't want to, you know, just completely harp on this guy, this guy and this kid, because he's probably worked very hard. He is standing next to an absolute icon of cinema. Um, and he's doing something that I could never do. And I, and I noticed that. But to be in a movie, to be in a feature film, especially one by Clint Eastwood, man, this is some of the weakest acting I have ever seen in my entire life. It is, and I'm sorry, but I, I can't I can't describe how bad this acting was. <laughs> like you're right he had a not just had a terrible time portraying his emotions um and in the context of the scene but it just looked so unnatural everything Mm -hmm. especially that true first scene that they're together at dinner Mm -hmm. where they're just drinking and just hanging out oh my god it was such an eye-opener where Clint Eastwood you felt like he was there you felt like he was this character and this kid is just looking around and bouncing from emotion to emotion and like oh my dad is in texas my dad wants me but does he really want me (laughs) oh my god i'm sorry Rafa. every time he spoke threw me out of the movie because it just this is some of the worst acting i've ever seen i'm sorry
0: yeah that's that's uh putting it mildly uh yeah there like that scene i i had forgotten about that scene but yeah the one where he asks him if he can wear his hat and you know what i'm saying and it's supposed to be this really sort of um touching moment because he's like well i'm not i'm not like my mom i'm not like my dad so what am i and you know what i'm saying i was like okay you know yeah but it just yeah, it just doesn't it doesn't come together. Like I don't know what happens in what happened particularly in that scene, but uh, yeah, he, he he throws off the rhythm and then then the emotional outburst really doesn't doesn't fit the context of the scene. And then he has like two other scenes like that. You know what I'm saying? It 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 just it just doesn't work. <laughs> it, just, it just
1: doesn't. Work. It's I don't want to just hate on the kid. I don't. Because like I said, he's doing something that you and I do not do. Um, But this this performance, this performance is rough is a very, uh, very understatement. Yeah. (laughs) And this is his first ever credit for a film. So I don't know where he came from. I don't know how old he is. But this was bad. This is very, very bad.
0: You get, yeah, I, I feel as though if this is first credit, then I, I'm assuming this is like, you know, they wanted a a not a trained actor, like they wanted someone who's, you know, just fresh off the street. They wanted an amateur. And uh, and they got it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like that's what that you was- You you got it. And uh and it shows and yeah, it just it just didn't. As far as, like, Clint Eastwood was holding up his scenes, you know, the dramatic uh, scenes, sure. And, you know, he didn't have help. And and then we get later in the movie, and there's uh, Malta, Marta, yeah.
1: Marta, yeah.
0: Marta and her four grandchildren. And, you know, this is some of the smoother aspects of the film, you know what I'm saying? It's like, okay, yeah, we're, we're seeing this dynamic and this relationship play out. But what was weird about it was, that was the movie. <laughs> like, that 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 was the movie. Like, the the whole getting the kid back to his dad, and eh, the whole threat of his mom, eh, that wasn't the movie. It was this relationship with, with Marta and her grandchildren that became the heart of this movie. And it was weird because I remember I looked up at the time and it was like an hour and two minutes in. And I was like, this is only an hour and 46 minute movie. So we've literally spent an hour just with these characters being in Marta's company and that that's it, you know what I'm saying? And then the, the other 40 minutes was more of that with that final scene with uh, her henchman, with Lettuce Henchman. And that was the movie. <laughs> like, and I was just like, yeah. it doesn't, It
1: doesn't fit too well, because especially with the ending, it wants you to think like Mike meets Marta that changes the old stubborn man. He finds love again. He finds reason again. So he goes back to her. But like, I don't feel that throughout the movie. She just hides them from the cops, is very nice to them. She's probably the only nice person in the whole movie to them. Provides them a place to stay. Naturally, they grow closer. But I didn't feel like the bond between them, I didn't feel like they were growing a special connection. Really, if they remove that scene at the dinner table where Rafa is like, she likes you and you like her. Mm -hmm. We wouldn't know that they had this (laughs) deeper connection than just being friendly with each other. We wouldn't know that. And I feel like a couple of scenes maybe between them together, just talking would have done something. And I know that she did not speak English and he did not speak Spanish. There are other ways to do it though. You can have them communicate through other ways of just not talking to find, oh, maybe there's something there for each other. One movie that I did want to compare it to that you brought up earlier is Gran Torino, and I'm about to, you know, spoiler warning for Gran Torino. I, in that movie, Clint Eastwood goes from a stubborn, angry old man who has no passion in life to eventually, you know, giving his all for his neighbor,
0: who's the kid.
1: And that is a relationship that I felt was extraordinarily earned because they spent the whole movie building it up. Meanwhile, in this movie, Marta and Mike have no credible relationship because she's just nice to them. And that's the other thing, too, that was very, that was a very big head scratcher for me throughout this whole film was this whole movie is very time sensitive from the sense that maybe you don't think there's a ticking clock going on and you're not feeling the pressure sitting on your couch. But doesn't he, Mike literally get off the phone with the dad and he's like, bring my son to me. It's been four weeks and you said two or something like that. And then he just randomly decides we're going to stay with Marta for God knows how long, because I like it here.
0: Yeah.
1: Like but- that was, very confusing to me and maybe i missed something yeah i thought that he was like bring my son home it's been double the time you said and then marta provides him a place to stay and they stay and ride horses and they train horses and they become vets and it's like why did you decide to just stay that's so random to me
0: right i mean there's a there's like i said that that was the 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 heart of this story was that relationship and it was weird because it it wasn't built up or anything like it it, it there was no connection there it was sort of weird um but like the scene after that that really kind of kind of weirds me out is he he talks to his dad and he tells you know howard and he tells him like hey you know, we got some investments in Mexico. And, you know, if I have something that she wants, she may be willing to negotiate. And, you know, but he's still like, but I still want my son. Like, I love my son. I still want to see him. So I'm like, okay, you know, yeah, sure. He has ulterior ulterior motives, but yeah, you know what I'm saying? It's still his son. And he felt the need to tell Rafa that. Why? like absolutely no reason to tell him that like it was like such a weird conversation and again raffles not matching the emotion of that scene just really out of context and it was unnecessary it was like it was like a way to add drama and tension for no reason like at all like like and you know literally they get pulled over by the cops right after that and you could have cut that entire scene and just had the police interrogation and you would have had that that drama and that tension so like yeah it was just it was like bad writing bad story bad acting and and unnecessary for no reason it was just it was it was pointless so that was just like to me i was like so we spent this entire movie with these these women uh And it's great, you know what I'm saying, that they're having this this relationship, even though it's sort of budding at the last moment, and then it's over. And then we shoot into this unnecessary conflict that just adds nothing to the movie, nothing to the characters, literally nothing. It just, it was like a straightforward sort of story, but... I don't know. Like like you said, you could poke holes in it and you can poke holes in it because it just, it doesn't have a natural flow to it. And the characters make decisions that are not really believable or just executed poorly. And the story itself is like rather forgettable. That, that's where it's, I'm at. It's hard for me. Like,
1: and this is, it, it hurts me to say this, but you know, when you're talking with someone who's older We've all done this before, and the person you're talking to that's older just doesn't understand, is not comprehending what you're saying, or is maybe telling you something that is not making sense, and after you try to convince them, this is the way it is, or um, this is how that actually works, they just don't understand, and you're just like, okay, okay, grandma, yep, whatever you say. No, no, you know, remember... Phoenix, we went to the movie theater and we saw Casablanca at the movie theater. You and I did last Thursday. No, we didn't, Grandma. We, we saw In the Heights last Thursday. <laughs> no, we saw Casablanca. Okay, Grandma. Yep. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, you just give in. You're right. I, I. This is so mean and I'm sorry, but I feel like that's what happened in the writing room. I feel like that's what happened. Like, I feel like Clint Eastwood, as iconic and as brilliant as he is, just definitely showed his age with this one and he said this is what's going to happen in this scene and someone else one of the other producers one of the other whomever said i'm not really sure that adds up what if we did this that and the other no this is the way it's got to be this is the way it's got to go because xyz well clint i still don't think that makes a ton of sense no this is the way it's gonna be (laughs) this is my vision and not like to the point where he's just dominating it's my movie but he's just not comprehending that that doesn't add up Mm. and they're just like okay Clint sounds good we'll do what you want I feel like that happened a lot in this movie like there's no way collectively so many people thought yeah that works yeah that's a good idea yeah that makes sense and I feel like Clint just kind of said not said this is my movie it's my final say but They kind of noticed this might be Clint's last movie. Let's just let him do what he wants. And that hurt the film. And I have no justice. And I have no justification for saying that. It's just me spitballing. But I think that happened. I do. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, And and, and I mean, again, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? We weren't in the room when these decisions were being made. But uh, yeah, there's just, it wasn't a lot of uh, consistency throughout this film and it was noticeable and uh yeah <laughs> so that that that's where it was at and and just i think the thing that i'm most uh disappointed in is is really the the characters like i'm not like me personally westerns are my least favorite genre i i i can't i really can't get into westerns it's just like not my era it's not my you know what i'm saying it's not something that i genuinely lean towards it's not a particular time period that you know interests me so uh seeing seeing clint eastwood i mean i know he he made his bread and butter in that genre um but at as a Western, I'm just, it 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 does very little for me. So I was like, you know, when we decided we were going to do this one, I was like a little bit like, ugh. Like, like, just because it's a Western, but I'm like, it's Clint Eastwood, so I'll give it a try. And just, the letdown comes with the characters. Like, no one was really terribly dynamic. No one was, you know like a character they were they were people and it was just dry and bland and like i said it has some great color to it some beautiful shots some some deep like i will say the score was really nice the, the score was nice but uh overall it was just sort of a dud and
1: i i do want to go back on something too a mistake that i made earlier is that um, Clint Eastwood did not write this movie. He doesn't write most of his movies, mm. um, so he did not write this. But I still feel like with him being the director, the producer, and star,
0: he helped write
1: things. He can change things in the script. It's not like what the final writers wrote is what ended up happening.
0: Right. Um, and I
1: feel like a lot of it was that. Like this is my not this is my movie, but people said this is Clint's last movie. Let him do what he wants. Uh, the people one question i do have is one of the guys that wrote this there's two people that wrote this one of the guys that wrote this also did gran torino and the mule Mm -hmm. okay it's pretty solid there the other writer ed and richard nash is credited with movies from the 50s so i don't really know and the 40s i'm not really sure where the error in that lies letterbox but that doesn't sound right to me that you're writing movies in the 40s and now 2020 i don't think that's right but <laughs> we've never known letterbox to be wrong before so <laughs> um i did want to correct myself on that mistake but let's uh let's wrap this up any final thoughts on cry macho uh
0: just like i i i love clint I think he's done a solid job as both an actor and a director. Uh, I think he's better suited at this moment as a director. And uh, I, I feel like his involvement, particularly in acting and producing, really brung this film down. Uh, it pains me to say that, but uh, yeah. And it, it could have been a lot better of a movie. Again, I don't know when this was shot because I, I feel like it was shot during the pandemic. And that's really what hurt a lot of uh, this movie's umph. But uh, I hope he gets another shot behind the camera because I would hate for this to be his final film. Like I said, Richard Jewell is amazing. So I really hope he gets another chance to just get behind the camera and deliver a solid film. Overall,
1: there is one more thing I want to say, and that is that Clint Eastwood and and Raffo, Mike and Rafa are getting a gun pointed at them by the henchmen,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and this rooster,
0: yes,
1: saves them. Yes, I'm sorry. Like <laughs> I'm, just, I'm throwing my hands up in the air for those of you listening on audio. Oh. I'm sorry. That is. so beyond what what cinema is like that's just ridiculous like uh you have a gun pointed at you this is the last seconds of your life and you are saved by a rooster (laughs) let's think about too how sensitive a gun is and pointing a gun at someone is extraordinarily sensitive i would think that if a rooster attacked you you might pull the trigger accidentally yeah but no of course, no harm, no foul, a rooster.
0: Again, again, when you when your protagonist is this weak, your your antagonist must be weaker. And I mean
1: that that was the straw, that was the final straw for me where I was like, okay, you know what? This is enjoyable a little bit. It's a little bit enjoyable. It's not the worst thing of 2021. No. And like, you know, it's it's okay. It's got its problems, but here we are. And then a rooster saves you from getting shot. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was like, oh, thank God we're near the end. Yeah. So
0: I, I did have to bring that up. That's very, very weak writing. Ooh. Very. Like- honestly, honestly, Macho was probably the only character in this movie given any development. <laughs> like, he, he honestly was because I'm like, uh, yeah, like, Rafael talked about macho like at least three or four times every in, in, word
1: out of his mouth yeah
0: you know what i'm saying so i was like i mean him him coming into the final you know conflict made sense uh story-wise but again at that point it's just like whatever <laughs> like like whatever um yeah like so honestly macho you know if there were awards for best uh animal uh portrayal macho's in the top five because he he literally got the most development out of any character in this movie Mm.
1: so that was just absolutely a joke to see (laughs) um and i spent a lot of time talking negatively about this movie i'll end on a positive there were a lot of funny one-liners specifically from clint eastwood himself um i laughed several times at just some one-liners that he said that i thought were pretty clever in there especially at the end since we're talking about it when he hands over macho the chicken he's like oh are you sure might be saturday night barbecue Mm -hmm. and that made me laugh there's a few other ones so that was funny and i'll end there on a good note all right, so final score for Cry Macho Phoenix.
0: What is it? I'm gonna go two stars. Um, I thought you know, like I said, the direction was solid. Um, so a good score, really good score. And there were some genuine funny moments, like you said, with Clint Eastwood. I thought he did some, some decent stuff. Um, but uh, I honestly, and this is, I'm trying not to be disrespectful, but that's where the good stuff ends well <laughs> like a lot of the good stuff ends there um it's the, the script the acting the story itself just was not strong enough um honest to god i feel like this is one of those 2021 releases that you know hbo is doing day and date this one they could have solidly kept on hbo max i i really don't think this one should be playing in theaters But uh, so two stars for me. That's that's where I'm going with Cry Macho.
1: Yeah, it's a two star for me as well. It it really hurts because this is the lowest I've given a Clint Eastwood movie that I've seen so far. I haven't seen a ton of his filmography, but like I said, I've seen. Probably nine or ten, and this is the lowest that I've given that hurts. It hurts because it's a twenty twenty one movie that I was really looking forward to. I really was a couple months ago when we found out a true release date for it. I was really excited. but completely falls flat. Rafo, as in, the, the uh, actor that plays Rafo, delivers one of the worst performances I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I'm sorry to say that. Clint Eastwood is an icon, but should not be acting anymore. Um, and, and this story is beyond weak, and we could poke holes in it. We already did. Uh, it's a two star for me. That's a C. It, it's bad. It's bad, and 2021 has had some bad movies so far, um, and, and this is near the bottom for me. So hurts to say, but unfortunately, that is what it is. So let's move on to. So, Phoenix, what has been good for you lately? Is it a documentary?
0: Uh, no. Uh, not yet, anyway. Uh, although I did watch a documentary that was pretty good, but uh, I wouldn't recommend anyone watch that. Uh, uh, it's sad to say, I didn't believe that I would say this, but my what's good is is better than the movie that we just reviewed. Uh, <laughs> I hope so. Uh and this may be just me being a father and, you know, being a father of two girls at that. But uh, one of the, a movie I watched literally yesterday with my daughters that I was not expecting to enjoy. And I ended up really, really loving. And that is Boss Baby Two The Family Business.
1: Oh my God. Uh, I swear. Weird?
0: Like, it was excellent. Now this is probably just the dad in me speaking, but I was not expecting that movie to be that good. And it was so touching and so like beautiful that it just, it, it made me smile and it, 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 it lifted me up just because it was about dads and daughters and it just, it, it, it made me so happy. So for me, my what's good is Boss Baby 2 Family Business.
1: Oh, man. OK, well, my what's good is The Hunt and not the 2020 version. Right. But the Mads Mickelson version, mm-hmm. The Hunt. Um, if you do not know anything about this movie, um, you will need subtitles. I will tell you that. Mm-hmm. And go in blind, please. Um, it is a very mature movie. I would not watch this with your kids. I would not watch this with your parents. I would not watch this for guys night. With your buddies.
0: Dang.
1: <laughs> very mature movie, um, but it's also a great movie. So, if you can handle the subject matter, which is very serious and dark, um, you will be rewarded with an excellent film. The craft is great. Um, how they tell this sad story is great and just phenomenal performances all the way around. Was really blown away by this movie. So, we got The Hunt. Boss Baby 2 to completely <laughs> pull out completely her different <laughs> so that is interesting but great, good stuff, good stuff. Let's move on to Film
0: Code now. Alrighty.
1: You are now in Film Code
0: Stop Perfect
1: Oh man, this is this is gonna be a fun one. So, man, all right. So, it was Brandon's code word this week. He is not here. He did message me, as you can see. I have not opened right there at the top. Phoenix, proof that I have not opened what the answer is, but I have the answer here. Once Phoenix and I tell uh, uh, what we think it is, we'll go ahead and unveil uh, the answer. So. Brandon's Clues, the code word was diner, as in a restaurant. Mm -hmm. The movie is from 1990 to 1999. It contains a Marvel actor, which is extraordinarily generic. Mm -hmm. The director was a writer on a popular Tom Hanks film. And the bonus is sitcom. All right, Phoenix.
0: Phoenix. How are we doing this? Who's going first? Totally forgot about that. Well, you are our reigning, defending, code-breaking champion. (laughs) So I defer uh, to myself. (laughs) Um, I had totally forgotten about the sitcom Clue, so I am flying blind as blind could be (laughs) on this one. But uh, the writer who was a director on a popular Tom Hanks film. I went with Robert Zemeckis, who was the writer and director of Castaway, Uh, writer, director, and producer, sorry, of Castaway. Uh, And one of the films that he directed starred uh, Angela Bassett, who is a member of the MCU uh, as Queen Ramonda in Black Panther. And the movie that I went with was 1997's Contact, uh, starring Jodie Foster uh, and Matthew McConaughey. This is not a movie that I have seen. (laughs) And so I have no idea if a diner plays uh, any role in that or a sitcom. So that was my best bet. I had another one, but I couldn't remember what it was. So I am going with Contact. Okay.
1: Okay. Obviously, I'm not sure if that's it or not, but I like I like the way that went. Um, the way that I decided to attack this is normally we have a trick in these with the code word, um, mm-hmm. and what I feel like Brandon's trick here is he says contains a Marvel actor. Normally we say if it's MCU or not, like contains an MCU actor. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I feel like Marvel means. Let's not bound ourselves to an MCU movie. Okay. So I decided not to bound myself, but the way I decided to attack this was first off director was a writer on a popular Tom Hanks film. Of course, we're looking at Forrest Gump. We're looking at Saving Private Ryan. We're talking about Catch Me If You Can here before the recording, but big was the one that I decided to go with because it just spoke to me. That seems like a movie that Brandon loves just knowing him um, so I went with that one, went down the rabbit hole there. Big was written by Gary Ross, who directed a movie called Pleasantville, hey. which stars Marvel star Toby Maguire. Hey. <laughs> and I've not seen this movie, but in the description, yeah. it talks about yeah. how they get sucked into a TV sitcom.
0: That makes perfect sense. To me...
1: I think that makes perfect sense. Yeah, but we have had crazier things have happened with the code word, so mm. let's unveil it. And it is pleasant. Bill. Yeah. <laughs> All
0: right.
1: All right. Way to go, uh, bro. <laughs> I appreciate it. So feels good to get uh, another one on the board. Mm. Thank you, Brandon, for that. Nice. Um,
0: you had a good guess too, though. You had yeah. a good guess too. That was good. I uh, I did not notice that, the, the Marvel. Yeah, that was a really tricky one. That, all right, Brandon, that was a solid co-word. Good job. Yeah, that, that one was fun. Um,
1: we'll figure out who's next, and we'll send that out there. But if you guys want to play along on Twitter, please go ahead and follow us on Twitter, at Film Pod. We'll shout you guys out. Uh, we'll also do some questions for you guys soon as well. We'll take some audience questions. Let's do that next week. Do You want to say something,
0: Phoenix? Have you seen Pleasantville? I have not. I have. It is a fantastic movie. Uh, All right. Yeah. Pleasantville. The idea is these uh, modern day kids get somehow sucked into a television sitcom and, you know, it's all in black and white. But the more that they, you know, invoke their modern day ideology, it turns everything into color and the, uh, town sort of resists this uh this trend uh and it's just such a funny original story uh but yeah i dug it like it's definitely worth checking out so i'm mad that i missed that because i love this movie uh so that was a good job brandon great great pick i love it i love it all right BX. where can everyone find you you guys can find me on twitter at imhoreviews one that's the number one and on letterbox under p a Cloudin. and please follow the show on twitter and instagram at film code pod
1: and my name is nathan pig you can follow me on letterbox at nathan pig uh, please go ahead and let me know you're listening to the show we'd love to talk with you we're gonna be doing watch parties and a couple of other live discussions here it's a fun time here at Film Code. You definitely want to be following along, especially with some huge movies coming out soon, with Dune and No Time to Die and Eternals. It's going to be a great time here at Film Code. You definitely want to make sure you're following along. After listening to this, you can probably find our other episodes. I'm convinced you could listen to our show on loop for four days and not <laughs> run out of content. Just keep it running, never hit pause, and you'd never run out of content. So there's destined to be tons of stuff in there that you love. So please got to check out our other content. Um, thank you guys so much for listening and we'll see you next time.
0: All right. Peace. <laughs>